Glad you made it out this morning. I know it's getting through the cold. It takes a lot of work, especially if you have kids. It takes forever. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad those of you who are joining us at home that you're able to watch as well this morning. I know it's a cold day, but I'm glad that you're here and it's going to be a good time in God's Word. Before we get into the Word, I just want to bring something to your attention. As you may know, um, that uh, the war in Syria, particularly in the city of Aleppo, has been brutal, uh, especially as a number of children have been injured, uh, abandoned, and killed, e- even more so than you would normally find in, in war, especially in that, in that context. Uh, I want to pray uh, for the children of Aleppo this morning, but also you could think about ways that you, know, you could financially support them. There are a variety of organizations that you could give to uh, as they are fleeing uh, and they need help and food and shelter. Uh, World Vision uh, is one that I have trusted over the years to find to be uh, reputable and is there and on the ground. And so if you want to financially support um, those fleeing uh, Aleppo, uh, you can do that through World Vision. Just take note of that. So as I pray for the, the children in that region, I also want to pray for the children in our own city who are often caught and the crossfires of violence. I want to pray for the children in the city of Chicago as well. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord and pray this morning. Father, we we pray and we come to you. You are our Father, and we realize that this world is is, uh, in sin, and war follows war upon war upon war. And right now, we want to intercede for the children in Aleppo, as well as the children in our city who are caught in this violence. We pray for peace, justice, and the mercy of Christ to be known in Aleppo and in Chicago. And we know that only you can bring mercy to protect the innocent. And we ask that you would give wisdom and courage for world leaders, even leaders in our own city. And show us as a church what what our part is um, as we look out in our own city and the violence and the children um, who um, are often hurt, and there are many ways that we can um, pray and intervene and sometimes even offer uh, housing and shelter and food uh, during certain crises. So, Lord, just give us wisdom as a body of Christ individually, as families, as individuals, what we're supposed to do financially um, for what's going on around the world, even, even locally, as you lead and direct us. And, Father, we just ask you to be with us this morning as we get into your word and we find ourselves being encouraged about what you say. And may we listen and obey. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to think with me about two plans. Two plans. First, there is God's redemptive plan, all right? This is how it goes. Creation, fall. There's a promise to redeem us in the Old Testament. Jesus comes on the scene. Perfect life, atoning death, glorious resurrection, ascension, reign and second coming, those who put their faith in Jesus can be forgiven and live forever with the Father. That is God's redemptive plan, plan one. Let me tell you about another plan. There's also the plan for your life, right? You're born, you're raised, you go to school, maybe you get saved, you go to church, you're single, you have a career, you travel, you have friends, maybe you get married, Maybe you have kids, you have joys, you have challenges, trials, and death. Two plans. God's redemptive plan and the plan of your life. But what if I told you that there's not two plans? 
but just one plan. There's not God's redemptive plan and the plan uh, for your life that are separate, but I would say that those two are the same. That the God who is working out all the details to save people on this earth through Christ is the same God who's working out all the details in your own life, not only for his glory, but also for your good. And I think it's important for you to see that there are, uh, there's just one plan instead of two. Because if you think of life as two plans, then you're going to think that you have a plan for your life. And when things are not going so well, you can, you, you can feel anxiety and worry. You start thinking through different contingencies on what can work and not work. And occasionally, in your plan, you may say, okay, God, I'm going to invite you in to give me some wisdom on my plan for my life. However, if there's just one plan instead of two... Instead of anxiously trying to manipulate and control every detail, you can start to follow the one who is in control. And try to figure out all the contingencies of your life, you can follow the one who's considered all contingencies and has the perfect plan for your life. So I'll put it to you like this. I read it recently. On your life's journey, you can take control or you can follow the one who is in control. And as I look at a lot of you, and I know you, and you know me, we are people who like to take control. Let me ask you, how's that going? You can take control, or you can follow the one who is in control. This morning, we're going to look at this guy who decided that he was going to take control. But ultimately, praise God that God was in control and working out his plan. And the guy's name is Zechariah. We're taking a break from Revelation. This is what we do sometimes over Christmas. It's up to me. I've just preached Revelation every Sunday of the year. But hey, we're going to celebrate Christmas as well. (laughs) I'll give an Easter message as well. All right. So we're taking a break from Revelation right now. And we're doing this series called Songs of Hope. Dr. Ben Wilson kicked us off last week, did a great job as he covered uh, Mary and her song, Praise to God. This week, we're going to cover Zechariah, and next week, we're going to cover Simeon. Uh, That's going to be actually this week on Saturday, December 24th at 4 o'clock. So this morning, we're going to look at Zechariah. And rather than read this really long story about Zechariah, I'm going to tell you his story. Follow along with me as I tell you this brief, short story of Zechariah. Here's his story. He's married. He and his wife are living life together. She can't have kids. They can't have kids at all. They're barren, so they're getting older. So two old people living together, married. Zechariah is a priest. Goes to the temple one day. Goes into the special place where he's at the altar offering this incense uh, offering to God. And while he's there, an angel appears to him. and says, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers, and you're going to have a special kid. In fact, this kid is going to be a boy, and you're going to name him John, and he's going to be so great that the Lord's going to fill him with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to prepare the people the way of the Lord. This is going to be John the Baptist. So this is God's plan, which includes his redemptive plan and his plans for Zechariah's life, which is one and the same. Are you got that? We're talking about one plan here. God's going to save 
people through Christ. The forerunners can be John the Baptist. Zechariah is going to have this boy. That's God's one plan. But Zechariah, here's the plan and tries to take control. You know the story, right? He tries to micromanage the plan. He tries to think through the contingencies by saying, I'm old. My wife's old. We've never had a kid. How's that going to work? Are you sure about that? So, he lacked faith, didn't trust the one who was in control, tried to seize control, questions God's promise, and the Lord made him mute. No more talking for Zechariah. And if he was a priest or a preacher, can you imagine that? No more talking, period. So during the pregnancy, he was mute. No talking. And eventually the baby was born, and on the eighth day, the circumcision ceremony, instead of naming him Zechariah, like his father, Elizabeth named him John. The crowd freaks out, says, surely you don't want to name him John. And the crowd asked Zechariah what he wanted to name the child, and he took out a writing tablet, and he wrote the name John. And right when he did that, immediately he could talk. And he started to praise God. And what, follow, what follows, what we're about to read this morning, is his song, which I will not sing to you. But we will read it. And what follows is one plan for the world and one plan for Zechariah. And I'm going to kind of break it down for you like this, all right? It's called the plan. Let me put it up for you. The plan. The plan is God-focused, God-promised, God-accomplished. I know this may be hard for you to track, but God focused, God promised, God accomplished. For those of you who like to take control, contingencies, one plan, here we go. This is going to be fun. Let's jump into his song. It's in the book of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 67. Let's go with God focus plan. Here we go. Verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. God's plan to redeem his people from their sins is God's focus. God is the one who took the initiative as he intervened, and as it says here, he visited his people. God not only visited his people, but he visited them in such a way by he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is the horn of salvation, which is a reference to strength, as Jesus is mighty to save. Jesus is descendant from the line of David, who was a servant of God. And now Jesus is that servant from the line of David, who came to be this powerful ruler, savior, and redeemer. Now check this out. For several months during the pregnancy, Zachariah can't talk. He's quiet. He spends a lot of time in his head. For those of you who like to think a lot, like to be quiet, like I like to drive in the car by myself without the radio on. So I want to think. When I run by the lake, 
I want to kind of just be in my head. I don't want to listen to music. I want to think. Even sometimes on my bike, I don't want to be hearing it. I just want to think. Anybody like that? And so you, you get kind of quiet. You start thinking things through. Can you imagine months here? Here's months of, of Zechariah. He's pondering God's plan. He's pondering how this is going to work out. He knows the Old Testament, and he knows that all types of judgment are going to break out when the Messiah shows up, and he's probably wondering... How is that going to happen? And what does my baby boy have to do with that? He's trying to think about God's plan, but he pulls back and he says, okay, I'm just going to stop all this. I'm going to accept God's plan. And now that I can talk again, I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise God because he is mighty to save. I don't know if you've ever done that with your own life, got, got kind of alone in your head, and you start thinking through ways that things are supposed to work out as you progress into the, the future, and you try to figure out your next move. And, and if, you're, if you're like me, you're probably really self-focused. Maybe you'll kind of invite God in for some input, but, but you're kind of doing your own thing. But if you're trying to make decisions about your life and what's next, what you're going to do, I think it's probably wise to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What is your wisdom? What is your grand plan? I, th- I think God wants humility on our part where we're saying, okay, God, you're doing this huge thing in the world, and I'm a little bit player. I have a small role. I'm not the main character. It's not about me. So what do you want me to do? Think about it this way. If you had a choice to be in one of the greatest movies ever as a little bit player... Would you take that, or would you want to be the main character in one of the worst movies ever? George Lucas. He made this movie, um, Star Wars, ever heard of that? You can debate whether it's the greatest movie ever, but people know it, right? And wouldn't you like to have a little character, be a little little random character in Star Wars? Or George Lucas also made a, a movie called Howard the Duck. For those of you who's not from the 80s, you've never seen that movie, that will be your, your viewing over the Christmas break. Considered one of the worst movies ever. Okay, George, I want to be the star, the leader. Just cast me as Howard Duck. So I can be known forever. Or a little bit player in Star Wars. God is doing this grand, huge plan. And you know what? You're not the main character it's okay, because if you were, you'd just be a duck, okay? It's okay. You have this part to play in this grand plan, and he saved you through the, the work of Christ. He brought you into the family. You're, you're reconciled to God through, through faith. And, and get this, everything that has happened in your life, everything is part of that plan. Now, I'm not going to show it to you yet, so don't, don't put it up on the screen yet, but I'm about to share with you my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Now, when I study the Bible with my, my son, who's 18, and I say that all the time, it's my favorite verse in the Bible. He rolls his eyes because I just say that all the time. But really, this one is my favorite verse in the entire Bible. And it talks about how everything that happens in your life is part of God's plan. I'm going to put it up for you. It's Ephesians 1.11. And it's in the NIV. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I'm going to read it again. In him we're also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity 
with a purpose of his will. Uh, do, do you see the, the one plan there? In God's plan, he has saved you, and he's working out all the details in your life. Yes, the small little details in your life that are coming together in the life he wants you to have in a way that brings him glory. And it's also for your good. It's one plan, even in all the details. But the plan, once again, is God-focused. But it's also God promise. Let's keep going on here. Let's, go on, let's keep going with this redemption, deliverance, promise in the Old Testament. Look at verse 70 and 71, chapter 1 of Luke. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. It's this picture throughout the Bible of the judgment of God's uh, enemies and the vindication of his people. It's been promised in the Old Testament, and it will come to fruition at the second return of Jesus. We're studying that in Revelation, right? Judgment on God's people, uh, on God's enemies, vindication of God's people. But Zechariah is praising God for remembering his promises of old to not only judge the enemies, but extend mercy to his people. So look at, look at this mercy that, that's extended. Jump in verse 72. Look at verse 72. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God made a promise to Abraham that he would have many children. Remember the song, Father Abraham. Had many sons. Yeah, remember the song, right? So Abraham, many children who are going to fill the earth in this worldwide blessing. And that promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ as those who believe in him will become adopted into God's family. And eventually his children will be delivered from the, the physical enemies so they can serve him without interruption at the second coming of Christ. But in the meantime, his children have been delivered from the enemies of sin and, and Satan and the fear of death so that they can serve him now. Zechariah is pondering the Old Testament promises to Abraham, promises to David. You have this Davidic king coming on, on the scene. It, it's Jesus. And he's thinking about this. And what Zechariah wants, he wants for himself. He wants for God's people. He just wants to serve God and worship him in a uninterrupted way. He doesn't want to be interrupted in serving the Lord. Let me, let me put this creed up for you. One scholar calls this a creed of Zechariah. I like this. This is what Zechariah wants. Zechariah is saying, I want to serve you with my whole life, O Lord. Enable me to do so and vindicate me in my pursuit. Let me leave that up for you for a second. I want to serve you with my whole life, O Lord. Enable me to do so and vindicate me in my pursuit. And we have the promises from Abraham and from David on down to now the Lord Jesus Christ. And get this. Jesus dealt with your sin so that you can worship. Jesus dealt and crushed Satan so you can worship. Jesus dealt with the fear of death so that now you can worship. And there's coming a time in Revelation where he's going to deal with the enemies of God and we will worship him in unhindered. But now he has dealt a blow to the enemies of God so that you can worship. And we have this creed. I want this to be the creed of my life. I want to serve you with my whole life, O Lord, and enable me to do so and vindicate, which means establish, free from blame in my pursuit. 
I like to say this every year on this Sunday or the Sunday before. I like to say every single year, watch out for the holidays. The holidays are a time where it's easy to drift. You get out of your routines. You get around family. (laughs) They get around you. Things can kind of blow up. And you can drift. You can turn away from the Lord. I've seen people come back from the break in worse condition than when they left. And I want to encourage you to, to make this your prayer, this creed your prayer during the break. I want to serve you with my whole life. Oh, Lord, enable me to do so and vindicate me in my pursuit. Let's move on to the last one. The third portion of his song is that God, it's a God accomplished. God accomplished. So he's praising God for the work that he's done on behalf of his people, promises to Abraham, fulfilling promises to David. And he also praises God for the birth of his son, John the Baptist. He's not praising God for two plans, but for one plan. Look at verse 76. And here he goes talking about his his boy. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. John the Baptist, he's going to be this prophet. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus. He's going to be preaching about salvation and forgiveness of sins. And and the details will emerge more clearly in the life and death of Jesus. Eventually, Jesus says to his disciples, remember this, in Luke chapter 24, in Luke 24, he says to his disciples, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And check check this out. John's on the front end of that. He's on the front end of that proclamation and preaching of Jesus Christ. And in that preaching of Christ, it's God displaying his mercy. Look at verse 78. This is good. You can even underline this part. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Verse 78 begins talking about the tender mercy of God and ends talking about the way of peace in verse 79. And that comes through the sunrise or the rising sun, which is a reference to Jesus. As he is the one who will light the path for those who are in darkness. He is the promised one who came to save us through his life, death, and resurrection. God's people no longer need to sit in darkness of their sin or face the wrath of God in the shadow of death. Through his redemption and intervention in our lives, he guides our feet on the way of peace. These two verses are are pretty amazing. 78 and 79 are talking about God's plan of mercy and peace through Christ. That's pretty awesome. And, And as you walk through your journey of life, and if you're a believer in Jesus, God wants your life to be full of peace and mercy from him. Would that be a characteristic of your life right now? Would you say that in your life, in your relationship with God, there is is great mercy and peace? 
that you're trusting for him to work out whatever plan he wants to work out in your life, would you say right now you have peace? Or would you say your life is filled with anxiety? Where you're trying to micromanage, you're trying to manipulate situations, you're trying to take all the contingencies and think about the right one, and you have a lot of anxiety and fear. It's okay to admit this. If you have a lot of anxiety and fear, God wants for you, he wants, he wants peace, and he wants you to know of his mercy. He does not want you to be afraid. So if you have fear right now, I'm not here to crush you. I just want you to know God loves you. He's working out his plan. He's saved you. He wants you to not fear. He wants you to know his mercy. And if you're filled with anxiety and worry, he wants you to have his peace. And I think a lot of that comes when you start to relinquish control of the way you're trying to determine and figure out your life, just like Zechariah was, and you say, okay, God, there's one plan. It's focused on you. You promised it. Whatever you want to do, I give up control. And I think when you start living like that, it's not going to be perfect, but you'll start to feel a lot more peace with the Lord and a lot more mercy instead of fear. There's this new show. I started watching it last week. Maybe some of you have watched it on Netflix. It's called uh, The Crown. Anybody watching that? Maybe? No. It's a show. It's not a movie. It's a show. Uh, It's about how Queen Elizabeth takes the throne after the death of her father. And I know nothing of history in general, so it's a great show for me. It's all new to me. I'm like, wow, that really happens? That's kind of cool. So in the show, her grandmother writes her a letter uh, as her, as her um, granddaughter, Elizabeth's about to come to the throne. Okay, so her, her, I can tell you what's going on, right? Because it's history, right? You're like, don't ruin it for me. Okay, so her, her father dies, and she's, yeah. She's going to be the queen. And so her grandma writes her this letter, and this is what she says. uh, And I don't know if this is really true or not, but it's really good on the show. She says this. She says, Elizabeth Mountbatten, that was her last name from her husband, Elizabeth Mountbatten has been replaced by Elizabeth Regina, which means she's the queen now. And this is what, this is great. She says, the two Elizabeths will be in frequent conflict with one another. But the fact is, the crown must win. The crown must always win. That's good, right? So there comes an instance where her husband, you know, she's going to have this coronation. She's talking to her husband. Her husband's like, you know, I don't want to kneel before you. And she's like, well, you're my husband. That does seem kind of weird. Well, she's not saying that. It seems kind of weird. And she's like, no, you will kneel before me because I'm the queen. Right? So she has these conflict, but the crown must win. The crown must always win. And I, and I think, wow, in your life, when you start to feel that there are two plans, there's, there's God's plan and you're doing your little thing over here, get to a point where you say, you know, there's one plan. You're my king. <laughs> the crown must win. The crown must always win. I will submit to you. I'm not going to try to manipulate this thing over here. I'm not going to be walking in fear and anxiety or how things are going to turn out because I realize, and you should realize, that God is working out the details of his one plan. So let God work out his plan in his way and in his timing. Did you get that? Let him work out his one plan in this world and in your life, in his way, and here's the hard part, in 
his timing. Because he has all the details of all the world and in all of your life. And these are good details that bring him glory and that draw you closer and closer to him. And it's not two plans. Get rid of that idea. One plan. And may you submit to him and have a heart that says, okay, the crown must win. The crown must always win. Let's pray. Lord, we are, we are a people who are often filled with anxieties and worries. Even, even this morning we came here trying to figure out lots of stuff in our lives and the future and we're, we're filled, full of fear. And you extend to us mercy. You extend to us peace. And we want to question you. We want to doubt you. We want to, we want to be like Zachariah. We want to push back. We want to push back. Bring us to a point today. I'm not even going to worry about tomorrow. Just today. We're at a point where today where we say, okay, God, you are good. You're doing a great thing in this world, and you're doing a great thing in my life, even though I don't understand it all. I can't figure it all out, but you're in control. And may we have hearts that submit to you, that bow to you, that, in a sense, let you win over our hearts and our lives. Even when it's painful, even when it's hard, we, we want to submit to you and give you our entire lives. Because you are working out a great plan to redeem sinners through Jesus. And you're redeeming us sinners through faith in Jesus and you're working out the details of our life that are bringing you all the glory and they're also for our good and help us to believe that and rest in you today. In Christ's name, amen.